Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? This show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello! I'd like to begin by telling you about a terrible anxiety-producing situation I found myself in this weekend. Okay. So my wife had a friend over from America, mm-hmm. stayed with us for a few days. It's a best friend. So, you know, you want to show him a good time. Yeah. Went out to see some comedy. Went to see John Kearns. Oh, great. On Friday night, who was just fantastic. And um, and then on Saturday, we decided we were going to go for brunch in the morning. There is an amazing brunch place close to us. It's called The Good Egg. Oh, yeah. Annabelle and I went there for lunch after the podcast the other week. And it's really, it's a special place. Lovely. And I really love it. I love the food, love the people. There's one thing that annoys the hell out of me. Oh. They don't take reservations for brunch. Oh. Now, this is a real hot spot. So if you pass it on a Saturday or a Sunday, a queue is assembling outside before they even open the doors at 10 o'clock. Oh, it's, really? It's that popular. So we decide we're going to go on Saturday morning. On the Friday evening after the comedy, I'm saying, all right, everybody, if we want to go for this brunch, let's try and get there before it opens because there'll be the first influx of people and let's try and be in it. And then sure enough, the next morning comes, Maggie's jet lagged, we've got a baby. It, it doesn't happen. We're okay. not out the door. And we end up turning up there at about 5 to 11. So in other words, an hour after it's open. Okay. My wife then goes to put our name down and she's told there will be a 40-minute wait. Hmm. But it's a nice day. Okay. There's nothing better to do. I say, well, let's do it. So she says, great. Um, so we're in the queue. And then she says, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go to the park with Maggie and the baby and, and go on the swings and you can ring us when the table becomes available. Okay. What do you mean okay? <laughs> is that the worst thing you've ever heard? No, I think that's okay. No, it's not okay because it just <laughs> fills me with anxiety. So first of all, they say 40 minutes, right. but that's probably like an outside guest. Uh, what, what if they mean 20 minutes? Okay, yeah. So firstly, it's, it's not a tangible amount of time. <laughs> right. It's like when you need a wee, you know roughly how long a wee is going to last, mm. but sometimes it surprises you. Okay. Yeah. And I think a queue is, is very much the same thing. Well, so oh, I'm okay. left in this queue oh. worrying that it's going to take less time and then they're not going to be here. And then I'm worrying that when we get to the front, yeah. she's going to call out and call our name. All right, table for four, Jeff. And then I'll say, oh, the others are just in the park. I'm just going to call them. Oh. And she's 
she then will reply, oh, well, we can't seat you until the full table, uh, the full party is here. Which I've known to happen. It does happen, yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. the sensible way to do it. <laughs> And then what happens? We get bumped back to the end oh, of the queue again. No. Or I'd be standing there going, okay, just wait, wait for me. Just wait a few minutes. They're coming. They're oh, coming. okay. I'm it's deeply awful. stressed. This okay. is a stressful situation. It, okay. it reminds me of nothing so much as um, when you're in the supermarket with somebody, mm-hmm. maybe with your partner and you're doing your weekly shop or housemate, whatever, and they're, they're ringing something through and they say, oh, sorry, I picked up the wrong one. I'll just go and get another one or whatever it is. Mm. So you're there with the cashier. The cashier is ringing all the things through. Oh. The other person has gone. Yeah. And then my big panic is always, what if they don't get back yeah, yeah, before yeah. everything has been rung through? It's then what happens? So Do stressful. I just have to pay for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I stand here and make small talk with the cashier? <laughs> There's a queue building oh, up behind me. Yeah. I'm just amassing further evidence that I, sh- I should never leave the house. <laughs> Adrift. Adrifting. A drifter. Naughty. Adrift. If you'd like to join in with the podcast, we'd love that too. You can email us, share your stories with us and your fellow drifters. Email hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is on the top- topic of blurting things out. It's from Tom. I was once queuing for the till with a friend at the Tunbridge Wells branch of Lakeland. In my boredom at queuing, I was browsing the tat that they put by the till to try and get you to impulse buy, such as a spiralizer that you buy, use once, and then put in the cupboard, never to see the light of day again. You got one. I haven't. Surprisingly, I we, haven't. We've got one. Oh, good. It's exactly that, yeah. Just used it once, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. An electric tin opener caught my eye, which, in a strange fit of confidence, I picked up and loudly exclaimed to my friend, how lazy can you be to use an electric tin opener? It's not hard to use a normal one. To which the lady behind me in the queue says, well, it works very well if you only have one arm. I slowly turn round, and of all the people in the world that could be standing there, it's a one-armed lady. I subsequently turn the colour of a lobster wearing his favourite red (laughs) T-shirt, mumble something like, yeah, I suppose so, and then run out of the shop, leaving my friend to make his purchase alone. You could have fried an egg on my forehead. Oh, that's good. So good. (laughs) This is from Claire. Every week at work, we go out for a cheeky pint to lunch in various pubs around my city. Having quickly worked through them all, and some we've gone through several times, so the staff have started to recognise us. One particular small and friendly place has started to recognise me and also recognise my order, monkfish wrapped in bacon. So much so that as soon as I walk in, they call to the kitchen to check if they have any in for me. Now, usually I would hate this, but I had come to enjoy the very structured social interaction of going to this particular pub and ordering the same dish every time and having a jolly joke about it. It's easy and it made me feel like a functioning, normal human being every time. Now, here comes my problem. I've recently gone vegan, so no longer want to order the monkfish wrapped in bacon. But to not order it, I have to break the spell of the predictable and structured social interaction I've developed in the pub. The thought of ruining this routine and potentially even having to explain that I'm vegan to this very traditional pub and possibly causing them to make a friendly fuss to accommodate me fills me with such anxiety and fear that I just can't do it. And instead, I plan to never go to this pub again and just remember the good times we had where I could pretend I was an easygoing regular and not a constant living nervous wreck. This had been working up until one of the regulars in the group is leaving the office and as is customary, they choose the pub on their last week. Guess where they choose? 
I haven't yet decided what I'll do about it, but I'm leaning heavily towards just pulling a sickie that day so I don't have to deal with a terrible, awkward situation. This is why you should never let a place get too friendly with you. It's, it's good advice. Not long after I went veggie, I used to go to this neighbourhood restaurant a lot and I went there um, for the first time after I went vegetarian and they sent out a complimentary plate of foie gras. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, oh, I know. I mean, I just felt awful though oh. because it's expensive. It would have cost them money. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I, this is a long time ago, mm. but I seem to remember wrapping it up in a napkin, putting it on my sleeve, oh. taking it into the toilet, and then <laughs> dropping it into the loo. <laughs> this is from Alex. In the 1970s, my parents thought it would be a good idea for my shy and nervous older brother to join the boys' brigade. My brother reluctantly attended his first evening on the premise that it would be the making of him. Little did he know. When you're new to the boys' brigade, the tradition was for you to march up to the head table and introduce yourself to the whole brigade. Up my brother strode to the head table, where he was asked by the leader at the top of his voice, Name? To which my brother brother barked back, Luke. Then the leader shouted, other names? Unfortunately, my nervous brother thought the leader shouted, cousins' names? (laughs) To which my brother replied at the top of his voice, Rebecca and Alexandra. (laughs) Needless to say, he never returned to Boys Brigade and still wakes up in a cold sweat to the sound of an out-of-tune bugle. Oh, mortifying memories. I mean, this this is our stock in trade. If you have anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. Anything where you have tried and failed to interact with other human beings. That's the umbrella, really, for what we want story-wise. Um, please, email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. This is your favourite programme, Adrift. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. So, Annabelle, this week you're going to tell us about your long and complicated relationship with music. I am. Now... Anyone who has ever heard me sing knows for sure that I can't sing. And I've known for sure since I was 11 and had a solo in a production of Sleeping Beauty. And you may remember I played that very well-known character, Morpheus, the Sprite of Sleep, (laughs) classic part of this tale. And in it, Morpheus had to sing the Frog Chorus by Paul McCartney, that even more classic part of any production of Sleeping Beauty, which I thought went well until I watched back a video recording of the performance. And you can very, very clearly hear a boy (laughs) say in the audience, she can't sing. (laughs) like that terrible so that really not my confidence obviously but just because someone can't sing it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not musical mm. as it turns out in my case it does mean that <laughs> but that has not stopped me from pursuing some musical interests over the years starting with the piano and we had a piano in the house as my granddad had bought my sister abigail one because my granddad was from a very musical family his sister my great aunt tilly was a very accomplished pianist and singer she was also disabled and so was better known in my family for some time in the 50s driving her very basic mobility scooter down the motorway from london to south end to visit my granddad <laughs> he made her get the train back <laughs> my granddad he played the harmonica very well and my great uncle dick he was very good at playing the spoons at the drop of a hat he would get up and play them at any wedding funeral but mitzvah <laughs> funeral I'm sure that was nice <laughs> according to my dad he would also get up at any wedding and do an unasked for set of jokes that were quite often quite risque <laughs> 
and was rumoured to be a fence for the craze. Quite the character. Yes. Bit of a mixed bag there as well, I think yeah. you'll agree. Anyway, my big sister had shown an interest in the piano, so my granddad, wanting to encourage this, bought her one, and she took up lessons in Basildon with a lady called Monica Stevens. And as the younger sister, obviously, I wanted to play the piano too. So I went along for some lessons when I was about nine or ten. And I mostly remember about these lessons being left to practice something while Monica disappeared into the rest of the house until the time was up. (laughs) And I did check with my sister if this memory was right. And she said that she also often during the lessons had visitors come round that she would just sit in the room chatting to. And on one occasion had a terrible argument with a couple about how she said that she was definitely a size 10 to 12. But they claimed she wasn't anything less than a size 16, which culminated in her storming upstairs to bring down a pair of trousers as as evidence. They then heard her rummaging around and then coming down to the kitchen, then going back up again before emerging with the trousers saying, would you believe it? No label. And she quite clearly cut it out. All during a lesson. Can you think of anything worse than socialising while a kid's in a piano lesson? (laughs) That's so weird. But during my lessons, she did once pop her head round the door and say, Abigail's the musical one. Why don't you just stick to ballet? Confidence knocked again. And then one day she said to my dad, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't teach Abigail anymore because she's got too good for me. And my dad said, what about Annabelle? And the answer was, no, I can't teach her either. She's too bad for me. (laughs) Although... My dad did also suggest it might have been connected to a disagreement they'd had over money, which sounds about right, as I seem to remember us not getting milk from the milkman anymore for the same reason. <laughs> but despite all this, I do have fond memories of Monica, as one Christmas she bought me a Chinese-style bowl with some chopsticks, and I love them. And can you imagine a 10-year-old in Essex in the mid-80s now wanting to eat her Finder's crispy pancakes and French bread pizzas with chopsticks? That was me. <laughs> but I never played the piano again. As instead, I moved on to the banjo, which I'll tell you about next week. It's a cliffhanger. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's, it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. We would really appreciate it if you supported our podcast by just contributing whatever small change you have. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com stroke adrift. You know, if you can afford one US dollar a month, that's fine. We will give you a title. If you ever want to be nobility, we will bestow a title upon you for being a $1 supporter. And then there are many other levels of reward too. If you go to that page, um, you can read all about them, patreon.com stroke adrift. I received an email yesterday from my Mm father-in-law who said, I've been listening to podcasts, but I I can't make out the name of the, the, the website where you're asking for money. Oh, that's where we're going wrong. <laughs> I just can't hear the name properly. Um, it is Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. But the the bigger issue here mm. is that my father-in-law is is considering giving me money as an act of charity. Oh. No, it's not charity, it's support. What, what must he think? Oh, no, don't. So he <laughs> saw his daughter marry this guy. Oh. I mean... I'm sure I'm not that appealing in a lot of ways, but I, I had a pretty solid career. I was on the radio. She moved from America to Britain to be with me, and he's thinking, but she's going to be okay. He's got a regular job. She's gonna, he's got a regular, there's an income there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what must he think now that he, he's, he's listening to the podcast out of pity oh, and he's hearing me begging for money? <laughs> okay, 
You'll be right. It doesn't seem great. I agree. <laughs> Patreon.com stroke adrift. Um, happy birthday for all of you who aren't listening. And those of you who are, you're in on the joke. Great. Good work. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift. Thank you. All right, I want to talk about something. So, you know, I've launched this other podcast with Ed Miliband. Mm, yeah. It's called Reasons to be Cheerful. And um, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying Ed's company. He's a very nice man. So he comes around here to record it. But I've been around to his house a few times for the, for the meetings about what we're going to do on the podcast. And in the first episode, he makes a remark saying, you can count me as a friend. Oh, a friend. I'll tell you what, I can't count him as. What? A Twitter follower. He doesn't follow you on Twitter? No. No. Really? Yes. That's weird. Yes, it is weird, isn't it? You're doing a podcast together. I know. And in one of the meetings, I think I kind of made a little comment about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And it was just ignored. Oh. So why do you think that would be? Is he one of these people that only follows, say, 20 people to keep their timeline? Let's see how many people he follows. Okay, Come on. Uh, this will be... 1,498. He's not one of those people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've run out of ideas. So I thought, what if he's only following sort of serious political people? Oh, okay. It could be that. So yeah. I had a look. Um, who have we got? Jeffrey Boycott. Okay. The cricketer. Yeah. Henry Winkler. The Fonz. Oh, <laughs> Greg James, the Radio 1 DJ. No. Mylene Class. This is weird. Mylene Class in her Twitter bio refers to herself as mumpreneur. Is that a word? Well, it seems to be some kind of portmanteau of mum and entrepreneur. Wow. I mean, that is very much a mixed bag of people. Isn't it? But not me. No. And to make matters worse, he has tweeted telling people about our podcast. Yeah. Including my at name. So he knows that he doesn't follow you? Yes. Wow. I've even tried unfollowing him and then following him again repeatedly just to <laughs> just to make a point and it hasn't worked. <laughs> so I thought I would get to the bottom of this in this week's The Incident. <laughs> Chris Hewitt is a film reviewer for Empire magazine, BBC Six Music and whatever they call Film 89 these days. He also used to review films on our old radio show and he took an uncomfortably long time to follow me back on Twitter. Do you, do you feel that what you, what you were doing then, to some extent, was making me work for it? A little bit. A little bit. I think what happened was, uh, we, I thought that whenever I started doing your show that you didn't really want me on the show necessarily. No, I I thought you thought you were too good to be on the show. Oh, not at all, not at all. I thought it was a a marriage convenience initially, I thought, for for our our, our companies. Mm. But then it clicked. And now I I count you as one of my my definite middle-tier followers. (laughs) I, if I meet somebody socially, I feel obliged to follow them on Twitter, just just out of politeness. You don't have any of that to you? No, not necessarily. Um, it, it, it can lead to awkwardness. Uh, I once met Tim Burgess from The Charlatans, and I followed him for a while on Twitter, and he followed me for a while on Twitter, and then I noticed that he'd unfollowed me. And I can't blame him, Jeff, because I'm a very acquired taste on the old Twitter machine. <laughs> and some people just quietly sidle away. I, and so I followed him as well. Yeah. And then 
met at uh, Six Music and uh, shook, our ha- shook hands and we were very nice to each other. But there was that there was that moment where we both could have gone, you absolute bastard. Why? You're yeah. saying there is an inherent value to the follow that it's, it's, it's some kind of social currency. Yes. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. You have to earn, you have to work very hard, I think, to get a to get a follow. With me, <laughs> if you make me laugh three times, if three of your tweets, this isn't like a hard and fast rule. I haven't written that <laughs> anywhere. But if three of your tweets make me laugh, uh, and say in the first the first ten tweets I read, if two or three of those make me laugh, then I will follow you. Do you not have any rule about the number of people who can't go above a certain number? No, I think that's crazy. Uh, now and again, I start looking at. I think maybe once a year, once every two years, I, I look at people and see whether I, sh- I should cull some numbers. I end up maybe culling 20 or 30 at most. Well, I feel feel honoured that I've survived um, at, at least a couple of culls by the sounds of it. <laughs> and I'm not yes, muted. I will never cull you. You are, you are an amazing <laughs> tweeter. Uh, I'm, I'm loving watching your second act develop. It's, it's great. Bruce Daisley is the MD of Twitter here in Europe. It appears from his Twitter that it is him running it, right? I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like one of those. No, it's, it's not one of those vanity things where Lady Gaga shows up once a day and sends something real. No, but, no, it's it's definitely him. <laughs> the, the worst possible thing there is he's looked at the content and says, <laughs> "I'm out." Right? <laughs> That's a bad one. I mean, I mean, because he could mute if he didn't like what he saw absolutely. there. He could just follow me out of politeness, and and then he could mute me and never never have to see it. So what I've taken to doing, and I think this is an act of passive aggression is i've started unfollowing him and then following him again just to kind of that hammer the message home do you think that is a a good tactic the problem with that that works um that works in certain circumstances if someone hasn't got a lot of followers but if when someone's over like ten thousand followers they don't really notice when a new person follows them so what would you do if you were me I mean, the difficult one, as you say, is that you've been in multiple tweets with him, haven't you? Yes. I, <laughs> for me, this feels like the the job for a matchmaker. Is, is there someone who could say, "Hey, Ed, how come you don't follow Jeff?" Maybe because I did. I did bring it up jokingly in a meeting. Right. I mean, you've even you've even fronted it, and but he he completely styled it out as if I hadn't said anything, and then changed the subject. <laughs> I mean, how did this podcast ever happen? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's made me very paranoid. Like, what, what, what is wrong with my timeline? The, the next thing, I guess, we need to sort of reflect on is, does it matter? Does it matter if Ed Miliband isn't following you? Well, let, let me phrase it this way. Do you not think that Twitter, which you preside over in this country, is to... A large extent how a lot of us determine our self-esteem. There are some social metrics, aren't there? There are some sort of vanity metrics, I saw someone calling them. You know, numbers matter and, you know, your your most famous follow is always a point of interest. Mine's the rizzle kicks. I mean, <laughs> at one time it had cachet with kids, not so much anymore. Okay. I mean... Save from having a matchmaker, someone sort of getting involved in pointing out his faux pas. I mean, you do reach a point that if you mention it one more time and he doesn't follow you, he's going to he's going to be sitting there reflecting, why won't this guy take a hint? 
<laughs> he's now brought it up in a meeting. He's brought it up in a tweet. He's 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 got his friends to DM me, <laughs> and now he's mentioning it on the other podcast in the yeah. hope that listeners to that podcast might start some kind of campaign of harassment. <laughs> contacted psychotherapist and broadcaster Angela Matanda about how I can move past this. Well, I think what's interesting is it's what it's the effect it's had on you. Mm. It's like if you if you think that a like or a follow is the equivalent of a hug and I and I really <laughs> like you and a psychological stroke then not following back is the equivalent of a snub and uh, a rejection. I can't help but feel a bit upset by it. Well, I understand your upsetness and I c- I'm just going to hand over a Kleenex because, quite frankly, you are <laughs> gutted and devastated. <laughs> but could it be a little bit like when you see a friend across the road and you wave and they don't wave back that they simply didn't see you? Well, I did bring it, it I, I did bring it up and he just changed the subject very quickly. Oh, OK. Whoa. Now, we're entering into different territory now between you and Ed. <laughs> I feel like an intervention and a sit down because what what I'm wondering is what does he think he's going to get out of the relationship with you and what do you think you're going to get out of the relationship with them? Is this a fledgling friendship or was it a business deal for him? Well, I mean, the, the, the truth is coming out and I'm, I'm feeling feeling rather used at the moment. Why don't you depersonalise the experience, right? Mm. And think this this guy um, did my podcast. We had a fantastic connection, I'm assuming. Um, I thought I would, I'd get more out of it. He didn't follow me back. Um, maybe I should just unfollow him. Oh. What would happen if you did that? So are you, yeah. su- are you suggesting a revenge unfollow? <laughs> well, okay, think about it this way. Take a step back and go, what would make me feel better? If I stay in the space where I am, where he's, I've followed him, he hasn't followed me back and it's driving me crazy. So I've become a little bit fixated with the relationship and what I thought it was. And I think he thinks it's different and he has, he's having a power struggle and I don't like it. Or should I unfollow him back? You know, you, if the decision is yours. So if you feel a sense of I'm out of control about this relationship and I want to get some sense of control back, maybe unfollow him i feel out of control in almost all my relationships and and this could be the solution extricating myself completely from all all social contact and social media or just say you're cherry picking your relationships and you know is that a real friendship where where you follow each other back on twitter is that a relationship that was short-lived and you know he he came he did he went and that's how you should view it it's entirely up to you how you want to play the relationship hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Ah, drift. Jeff Lloyd. 
Annabelle Port. If you get close enough, you can taste the freshness. I have an email here from Ian, and it refers back to the book incident from episode one. Uh, This is where I was meeting a friend at a bookshop. I thought I would buy her a comical gift, um, which turned out to be Ryland's autobiography, The Life of Rylan, and then got very paranoid about what the people behind the counter thought of me. Yes. So he says, my tactic when buying questionable things, especially if they are actually for me, is to say to the cashier, hopefully this is the right one, while looking uncomfortable, easy because I am, (laughs) and lost. Hope this helps with future purchases. Yours driftingly, Ian. Yeah, that that helps immensely. I will uh, bear that in mind. I received a book through the post this morning, which I'm very excited about. It's the book version of Ruth and Martin's Album Club. Now, this was a really popular Twitter account whereby they would ask a different person each week to listen to an album they'd never heard before and then write about their experience. So that was part of it. And the other part of it is Martin, who runs it, is a fantastic writer, especially on the subject of music, which is so difficult to write about. And he contextualises the albums. So this turned up in the post today. Annabelle's sitting in my front room when it arrives. Mm. So I I unpack it. And then knowing that I'm going to be in it, because I I was asked to review a Kendrick Lamar album, Mm. I get the bookmark and and shove it into the page. Where my bit is. Yeah. And then say to Annabelle, oh, look, I've got this book here. And then, oh, what page is it going to fall open to? Mm. And then then there it is, my thing. Yeah, yeah. But more astonishingly than that, which was a cheap laugh, <laughs> your name is on the page. I mentioned you yeah. pretty much straight away. And you you went, oh, my name in a book. <laughs> so excited. Now, you do know that you have a book coming out at the end of the year. I know, but that's like, I don't know, a couple of months away. This is now. <laughs> it's so thrilling. Anyway, I, I do recommend... Um, Recommend that book. It's a lovely thing. Ruth and Martin's Album Club. And while I have your attention, I'm going to do that weekly bit where I ask you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It's tremendously helpful to us. So if you can just take a couple of minutes to do that, we would be extremely grateful. Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realize you were in a sewer. This is not that case. Right now you're on a lake and it's nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. I placed this phone call to Annabelle the other day. Hello. Hi, it's me. Hi. Hi. So I've been thinking about how having to promote this podcast on Twitter has felt very uncomfortable for you because you're you're the least self-promoting person I can think of. Mm, yes, but there is some truth in that, yeah. So I was thinking, just to give you a bit of a break from that, um, maybe this week you could promote something else. <laughs> okay, yeah, go on. And I was thinking about how vegetables, they come in and out of fashion. Like Brussels sprouts yeah, came back yeah. after years in the wilderness, pomegranates. So yeah. wh- why why not this week don't you try and promote and popularise uh, a vegetable that hasn't really had its time in the spotlight? Okay, and is there one you were thinking of in particular? Yes, what about the marrow? <laughs> well, I think we safely say that hasn't had its moment in the spotlight. Okay, I'll do it. And Annabelle, how did you get on? 
Well, it is definitely true that vegetables do have their moments, like beetroot, pomegranate, kale, avocado. Why not marrow? Because they do, they do, they come in and out of fashion. They, they yeah. do, yeah. And I feel that it's time for marrow to have its moment. Basically, it's just a massive courgette, isn't it? I mean, mm. that is technically what it is. So for a start, I do feel it does need to change its name because marrow makes me think of bone marrow. And I feel like it should just be called giant courgette <laughs> because this really spells out their USP because eating a marrow is like eating a giant food and feeling like a little person. Right. Like using the toilet in a primary school. It's the same kind of feeling. Yes. I test the waters by going into a fancy greengrocer's near me and asking if they've got any marrows. They haven't. Oh, no, I say. Oh, they're going to be massive. The next big fashionable thing. Oh, they're coming tomorrow, he tells me. I'm not sure if they always were going to be coming tomorrow or if he was really jumping into action (laughs) or just fobbing me off. But regardless, I ask him, and will you call them giant courgettes? No, he says pretty firmly. It's not a great start. It doesn't bode well. But I've got a good idea because often these vegetables take off because influential people start using and promoting them. Mm. Like the popularity of beetroot has been attributed to the chef Yotam Otolenghi and the food blogger Deliciously what if I could get a really influential restaurant to put marrows on the menu? Then they'll take off. So I pick a big, famous, fancy one with three Michelin stars. Then I call reservations and I say, hello, I'm looking to make a booking for Barack Obama. Just one thing. He's requested a marrow option for every course, <laughs> starter, main and pudding. Is that something you could possibly do? I will need to check, the lady says. Just one moment. When she returned, she asked me to specify exactly what I'm looking for. Well, it's just that marrows are a big thing in the US right now. People like feeling like they're little and eating courgettes. So he wants there to be a marrow option for all the courses, the starter, the main and the pudding. I cannot guarantee that, I'm afraid, she tells me. Oh, this isn't good. I have to find a way to persuade her. Um, He wouldn't come then, I say. I do apologise, she says. Doesn't work. Maybe it was the pudding. Maybe that was one step too far. I'm not giving up, though. I try a different restaurant, one that's a bit less stuffy, but as influential because it's a Jamie Oliver restaurant. And I'm determined not to get carried away this time. Hello, I say. uh, I'm calling about a booking for Beyonce and Jay-Z. They're going to be in London next week and they really want to come to your restaurant. But there's a slight problem in that Beyonce is only eating marrows at the moment. It's a (laughs) special marrow only diet that she's on. Would you be able to cater for that? Turns out it's impossible for me not to get carried away. (laughs) She's only eating what? Sorry, the lady asks. When I tell her marrow, she repeats it back to me like this. Marrows! She sounds amazed. I can see I've got a lot of work to do to make marrows the it vegetable. (laughs) Who am I speaking to, please? She asks now. She sounds a bit suspicious. I tell her, Annabelle, as I'm sure that will allay all her suspicions. Mm -hmm. She asks where I'm calling from. Oh, I'm organising the London leg of their trip. It doesn't really answer her question, but luckily she doesn't pursue this line of inquiry. And they've been here before, haven't they? She asks. Yes, I say, like I totally knew that. (laughs) Adding, they loved it. That's why they want to come back. She's telling me now that she'll have to speak to the head chef, but she's sure they can arrange something. Then she asks, and what privacy would they need? I don't know. I so don't know. I almost say masks. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily, at the very last moment, I change it to, oh, you know, just the usual. Same as last time. Nothing too major. 
and that seems to be okay. So she takes my details and then she calls me back really quickly with the news that they can do it, but could they have any more information about her requirements? Well, I say, unfortunately, it really is only marrows that she'll eat, but I'll find out if there's any flexibility and I say that I'll call back. I don't because I've just remembered I'm not really booking a table for Beyonce and Jay-Z. But what I'm hoping is the chef will try out some dishes, realise it's amazing, put it on the menu. Jamie then does some Instagram posts about it. And then, I don't know, a whole new TV show called Jamie's Marrows or something. (laughs) And Marrows will become the food of 2017 and in every restaurant. I'm not so sure this is such great news. (laughs) Sorry, food lovers. But weirdly... I think it's already worked because I did all this last week and on Sunday my sister came round with cake and I asked her what kind of cake and she said marrow. She does have an allotment though, which I think (laughs) explains it all. Was it disgusting? (laughs) It was delicious. And that was our podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'd be grateful if you did us the favour of leaving a rating and review on iTunes. And we'd be super grateful if you pledge a bit of cash at patreon.com stroke adrift. Please share your story of stumbling in the human race. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for our backing tracks. If you haven't investigated their music yet, do it now. And thanks to Emily Harrison for the incidental music in The Incident. My advisors this week were Chris Hewitt. He's part of the Empire Magazine podcast, which is a really good listen. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Chris Hewitt, but he probably won't follow you back. Bruce Daisley from Twitter Europe, who also has an excellent podcast. It's about happiness and work culture, and it's called Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. And Angela Matanda, you can follow Angela on Twitter or find out more at Angela.com. And warning, there is a U where you're expecting an E to be. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox provided our idents and voiceovers. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Our artwork was designed by Kim Rainey and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Thanks to you for being adrift with us, and we would welcome some more drifters. If you think you know someone who'd like this podcast, have a quiet word. And finally, thanks to Annabelle's late Uncle Dick for livening up all those funerals with his spoons. Adrift. Adrift. All right, on to the podcations. If you would like an edition of this podcast dedicated to you, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This one comes from Ian, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. This podcast request has been many years in the making, although technically I only started writing it about a minute ago. It would have been less, but I wanted to double check that I'd spelled Annabelle's name correctly. <laughs> Good for you for yeah, checking. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've been listening since back in the Pete and Jeff days, and I'd like to ask for a publication for my partner, Louise. We've been together for over 20 years, and unlike most of your other drifters, she's been listening for the last few years. Oh. This is wonderful. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. That, that, that somebody would be able to persuade somebody else to listen wow. to this. Great. Uh, which means I've had plenty of opportunity to ask for a podication, but procrastination's always one. I didn't send one in for all the months that it was obvious you were looking to leave Absolute Radio, and I didn't even send one after you announced you were leaving. Was it that obvious? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's prompted me now is it's Louise's birthday next week, the 14th, so it seemed like a good time. Plus, you can tell her that I forgive her for listening to the first episode of Adrift without me, even though we were off on holiday the same day, starting with a three-hour car journey. So we missed her birthday. I think it's good to spread birthday treats out. <laughs> and I'm seeing it very much as a treat. Okay. Well, you email and let him know in case he's just so devastated he's like unsubscribed. No, no, I will. In return, can I offer you a story that still makes me cringe whenever I think about it over 20 years later? Yes, please. You actually read it out on the radio nearly 10 years ago, but I figure no one will remember, least of all you. <laughs> I once fell asleep on a train on the way home from a football match. I woke up with a start and panicked that I'd missed my stop. Next stop was Milton Keynes, so you can see why I was worried. <laughs> um, I asked the person opposite me whether I'd missed it. He looked at me with utter disdain and said, you were asleep for 30 seconds, maybe a minute. <laughs> uh, I've got some other stories that make me cringe, but I might first have to set up an anonymous email address to send them from. I saw a comedian a couple of years ago who said that the great fears of middle-class British people are, one, being mistaken for a racist, and two, buying your coffee and then realising the cafe doesn't have Wi-Fi. And the story I have in mind doesn't involve Wi-Fi. Oh, dear. Oh, that's so intriguing. Yeah, tell yeah, me more, tell yeah. me more. Thanks, Ian. And uh, the other one comes from Robert, Robert Austin, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Would you please do a podication for my best friend, who is also my partner of 17 great years and is the mother of our two children, Imogen and Lauren? Her name is Kelly, and she used to listen religiously to your radio show. Despite my best efforts, Kelly would never use any podcast, including yours, until, that is, you two decided to change mediums. Mm -hmm. As she has, for your show, only reluctantly climbed aboard the pod wagon. <laughs> it's now possible to ask for this podication. Great to have you back in my phone. I missed you both. Thank you. Rob. Actually, and Rob includes his Twitter handle, and I recognise that from oh, Twitter. okay. And Kelly's too, actually. So, yeah, of course. There we go. It's the latest edition of the podcast. Podicated to uh, to Ian. And Louise. And Louise. I was just skimming the paragraph. Oh, sorry. Um, and also from Rob to, to, uh, to Kelly. There'll be another podcast next week. If you would like a podication, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.